Each of those songs, as you heard Tyler read some of that Old Testament Scripture, is kind of capturing all those promises that were meant for Israel. But if, as I said earlier, if we are listening, we can hear how they capture our situation as well. That, yes, Jesus came to set the captives free, and we realize after His coming and His life and ministry and, of course, death and resurrection, those captives were us. It wasn't like Rome or what name the government was keeping us captive. It was sin, and Jesus came to free us from that. Uh, the song that Tyler is going to do is not a Christmas song. Uh, it's a song by somebody named Ben Fuller. If you went to a Casting Crowns concert with us last year, you saw Ben Fuller, and um, he had, I, I felt, a, a powerful message through his songs um, that he shared, and this is one of them talking about mercy. And again, it's not a Christmas song, but it's important for us to realize as we you know, sing very familiar carols and hymns and things like that, this baby came for a mission. And that mission was to seek and save those who are lost. And that's each one of us. And so as we celebrate Christmas, we don't want to lose sight of what that really means and the mission that Jesus would be on. So Tyler is going to be singing a song for us called Mercy by Ben Fuller. Check, check. His goodness and mercy and the power of His blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done, but His goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. And the power of 
job. Did you know that that's what this is? This is Jesus in the manger, representation. That song is conveyed right here. We are living proof of God's mercy, and He showed it to us in a very unlikely way. It's what the story of Christmas is all about, His goodness and mercy encompassed in this little baby who's born at Christmas time. 
That's how our souls feel their worth. That song shows us. You know how much you are worth to God that He would do what He did? And so this uh, sermon series that we started last week that we're going to take through the end of uh, December is just going to be camped out in Luke chapter 1 and 2. The one passage that Tyler read for us is one when Jesus begins His ministry, stands up in the synagogue, opens up to it, the book of Isaiah, and He starts reading the very words that you heard Him share out of Isaiah this morning. Jesus is, is turning things upside down. They just didn't realize how much He was doing that, nor did they realize exactly how He was going to accomplish that because they were all excited about Him kicking Rome out of here. But Jesus had uh, bigger plans than that in defeating sin, Satan, and death itself. So last week we heard about, as I said, just being able to recall, rehearsing these things is important. And I shared a story about Zechariah and Elizabeth and their connection to a story about Abraham and Sarah. Now, if you were a Jew living in their day, um, that story you could just recite. Everybody knew that story. If you had to stand up and uh, recite it in front of the congregation, you could do that. Everybody knew it. And so that story I read last week with Zechariah and Sarah, it's going to have a lot of uh, similar qualities to it, and people are going to start thinking, what's God up to? What's going on here? Because this sounds very familiar to us. God is going to do something big. That's what He said with Abraham and Sarah, who had no child, and yet all these wonderful descendants are going to be coming from them. And in fact, the Messiah would come from them, but they are childless. And so Luke really kind of hones in on uh, what God's plan is and how He's going to turn things upside down. And one of those things, as we sang uh, about the angels uh, in that first song, we'll close with another song about angels. This, if you think about that, the glory of God, the throne room, like them just praising Him nonstop. And in the Christmas story, we've got that scene with a bunch of shepherds, nobodies, smelly, dirty, stinky people put together. Because God is going to show each and every single human being just how much they are worth. And, of course, if we read the rest of Luke, uh, we see Jesus doing that all over the place. The people everybody else forgot about, the people who had no worth, according to that culture and society, are the very people Jesus goes to. I've used the Bible Project. That's uh, the group that created this video. They do lots of animated videos. Uh, one of the things I like about them is uh, the animation they create, I think, is a, a way that speaks to a younger audience. That's uh, lots of people read uh, comics or read, I don't even remember, graphic novels is what they're called. Uh, the kids, I'm, I'm old, so I don't know all that stuff. Uh, graphic novels, you know, everything is on your phone. There's tons of movies, media, all that kind of stuff. And so what I appreciate about these guys is they try and, bring that into the Scriptures. Uh, they do a focus at Advent on each of the words. We, that candle represents the word of hope. Uh, I've done that here already. Another thing I appreciate about them is uh, taking Hebrew words and Greek words and trying to make them make sense to us. Uh, this particular video, though, is just focusing on Luke chapter 1 and 2. That's where we're going to be the rest of December. And so what I wanted to do was just 
kind of create a little bit more context of what we're going to be reading. Now, we did start last week in Luke chapter 1, and so you heard this story. They're going to convey it again in an animated way. Uh, but we're going to be in all of Luke 1 and 2 this December, so they're going to give us a little bit more context uh, to what's going on, and you're going to hear uh, from the Word some of these stories again, and we're going to, as we go through this, kind of attach it to this lyric I talked about last week uh, that really uh, just resonates with me, uh, that that day, that Christmas day, when the soul feels its worth, like this is what God was willing to do for us. And we celebrate that at Christmas, but Tyler conveyed that too, that he was willing to give his own life for us as well. So Luke 1 and 2 going to give us some context here from the Bible Project guys, and then next Sunday we'll be reading some more out of, out of Scripture and highlighting some more how the souls feel their worth. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In this city is the temple run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets, that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. 
So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiancé, Joseph, had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There are so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks. And an angel appears, which, of course, freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down. That, uh, that's what Luke 1 and 2 is, is covering, and we'll be talking about how God chose to do that and the people that He chose to use to share this brand new message that was coming on the scene through very unlikely people. I want to read a passage for you. Um, out of Isaiah, which if you were a Jew, you would have heard over and over and over again. Um, very familiar. Isaiah is the, the longest of the prophets, if you look at the Old Testament. Length of the book in the Old Testament of the prophets. If you struggle with paying attention, Isaiah is not where you want to start. You'd want to go to one of the shorter books. But Isaiah was very important because of all the things that he was saying, all the prophecies that he was making. And Isaiah 61 is a really important one because imagine hearing this from Jesus himself. Now, Sarah, I think I have through verse 6, but we'll just do to verse 3 uh, in this passage. But again, it's something that would have been familiar they would have rehearsed it. They may have uh, memorized it. They would be able to recall it like this. And God is about to do this. Christmas morning, God fulfills His promise in the person of Jesus. And then as we, we won't be doing this, but as we go through Luke then, Jesus Himself reminds them of the promise. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, in Isaiah chapter 61. Oh, that's Isaiah 60. I'm reading the wrong one. Never mind. But Jesus did quote from that. I'm not telling you a lie there. That's a good one. So if you, that's the one Tyler read. I thought I was like, I think Tyler read this. But it's a good one. I will read through verse 6 for this, just so you know, Sarah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Now, I don't know if they memorized this one quite as much as the other one, but imagine the darkness of night that the shepherds would have experienced. 
and then all of a sudden this light coming. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Kind of reminds us of that star that stood above. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. They, then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Kind of reminds us of foreigners coming, kings, wise men coming and bearing gifts that would be meant for a king. This is all coming from Isaiah, written a long time ago. Herds of camels will cover your land, your young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all, of, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. All nation and tongues and people groups will give God praise. That's what we hear in Revelation. We see all kinds of different people giving God praise. Unlikely people like shepherds and Mary and, and others connected to that Christmas story. And then, of course, we know that the angels in heaven are celebrating in that God is fulfilling His promise and accomplishing His mission as He sends forth His Son on Christmas morning. And so we're going to join those angels in proclaiming God's goodness, God's grace, God's mercy, God's unfailing love, God's kindness to us, all in the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world.